This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Today is International Women's Day, a day to celebrate the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. This year's theme is Be Bold for Change. How much progress has been made over the years and what can we do to progress even further? Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie will join us shortly. But first, Match Fund Director Jess Tomlin joins us on the in the studio here to talk about International Women's Day. Jess, you support innovations led by women, girls and trans people at the grassroots level. How so? So we are Canada's only international women's fund, and what we really try to do is channel resources into the fierce leaders that are driving change at the community level, and we fund women's organizations in 25 countries around the world. And we really try to work at the intersection of women's rights and innovation. So what that means for us is we acknowledge that the women's movement is a marathon and not a race, but on occasion there are these moments that are particularly disruptive and where an innovative approach approach can really accelerate change. And we've seen that. We fund women's organizations who are training young girls how to box in Kenya in the slums. And they're doing that in part because they want girls to be able to protect themselves. But they're also doing it to challenge the status quo. And clearly, as an international organization, the plight of women changes geographically wherever you go. You've spent time in Afghanistan, in other parts of the Middle East. Women, uh, the situation for women there has really taken a big step backwards in recent decades, whereas the situation for women in North America, you could argue, has taken a big step forward in recent decades. Absolutely. And that's why some of the, some, you know, there are um, 72 countries in the world where it's illegal to be gay. There are um, many countries where it's illegal for women to wear pants, where it's illegal for women to drive cars. When we put it in the global context, we need to also acknowledge that some of the gains that we take for granted here are, are real challenges for women in different parts of the world. And that's why we really try to fund and support women who are building the movements, who are lobbying the politicians, who are bu- bu- building up momentum, who are protecting the women on the ground, because ultimately they will be the ones to drive the change. How do you prioritize what what's needed for women uh, in, in various parts of the world and how you support that? Well, this is the thing that keeps me up at night, if I'm being really honest with you. So there are thousands of proposals on my desk of women's organizations who would be totally worth, worthy of funding. It's just that we don't have necessarily the resources to, to, put, uh, to put it in motion. Um, You also have to recognize that the women's organizations that are working at the grassroots, working at the community level, their average annual budget is $20,000, a figure that drops when we get to Africa. And the average annual budget of an African grassroots women's rights organization is $15,000. And so they do so much with so little. And I just can't escape this notion that if we could just give them the resources to execute on their brilliant ideas and continue to build up their resilience, then the world would be a different place. What is it that fuels their passion for change when change would seem to be so difficult 
to attain? I mean, I think I take so much um, power from the women that I've seen working in the developing world. And, um, and that is because I don't know what that recipe is. Because I get down about the challenges I face in my daily life. Well, if I'm coming up against my daughters being at risk of female genital mutilation, I have no power in my community. I'm not allowed to own land. I don't have anyone around me who's a woman and who has political or economic uh, power. How can I see and build that future for right. myself if, or it, for my daughters? It but would they feel do. It would feel hopeless. It would feel hopeless, but they do it. And that's the DNA that I would love to be able to bottle up and sell to the world for free, <laughs> you know, because it's incredible. And I think it's a combination of uh, no one else is going to do it, so we have to do it. It's a commitment to a better future for daughters um, and, and, and sort of, you know, sons as well. But I also think it is the community of women coming together as women that gives them strength. Do you think they feel inspiration from what we've achieved in North America? Absolutely. Does that provide that incentive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for those women who get glimpses of the, you know, the rights and freedoms that we just take for granted, those are inspiring pieces. And I think that that's a role that Canada can play. I mean... Canada is, um, the world is really looking to Canada right now, right? Um, we're seen to be this really progressive nation. We are um, at the forefront of human rights and pluralism and diversity. Um, and so this is an, an opportunity, I think, for us as Canadians to really step up and say, this is what we want, not just for us, but for the world over. And yet we have, we're facing challenges here as women ourselves because gender parity, Absolutely. hitting equality, uh, we still have a we still have a ways to go. I mean, we've come a long way, baby. Absolutely, but, we're but still, it's not enough, right? It's really not. And you know, that's the thing. Yes, gender um, um, pay equality is one thing, but a university campus where you go for higher learning is the second most dangerous place in this country for for a young woman to be. You know, it, it, because we, of the threat of physical assault. That's right. Yeah, and 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 then you look at missing and murdered Indigenous women. I mean, that is a shame. Uh, it is a stain on our on our society as well. So I'm totally with you. We have a long way to go. And so, yes, we can be a source of inspiration, but our fight in some ways has been easier. There's been a big focus on women's issues since uh, Donald Trump's inauguration. Mm -hmm. uh, is this a, a positive or negative aspect towards women's rights? So I'm an optimist. So I'll give you my optimistic view, but maybe it's worthy of debate. I'm, it, it is a scary time. It's an extremely scary time, not just because we're seeing the rise of populist movements, not just in the U.S., but in Europe and in elsewhere, um, but also um, because the, the first thing to go is women's freedoms, right? That, and we saw that with the gag order, which was something that Donald Trump did almost immediately, I believe, his first day in office, where he scaled back $600 million in funding for women's reproductive rights around the world. It's a scary time. However... My favorite sign from the protest marches was the woman holding up the sign that said, this is so bad the introverts are here. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, I, and I speak to that because I think when the chips are down, that is a real opportunity to accelerate progress. And we're seeing it. The women's marches, there was 915 cities, millions of women that stood up who would never 
march normally. My mother, 72 years old, I don't think has ever attended a march. She sure went to that one. It has the opportunity to bring together different movements of people, different kinds of people, and that's how change is going to happen. You mentioned uh, a protest sign. That's a big part of the work that you do is is looking at signs globally <laughs> and comparing them to recent decades. Yeah. Has there been a lot of change or is the theme more or less the same? It's interesting, you know, that, so we launched a quiz on matchinternational.org and this was really an opportunity, um, you know, it, it, the, 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 the title of the quiz is I can't believe we're still protesting this expletive, expletive, expletive. Right. <laughs> but it's really to showcase, you know, there, there are women who've been holding signs since the 1800s who've been fighting for the right to vote, who've been fighting so that we don't go to war, who've been fighting for pay equality, who've been fighting for racial justice. And so what we wanted to do was really put those signs up against each other and say, are we still fighting the same fights? Um, And in some cases, I believe that we are. Um, I believe we've made a lot of progress, but that this is what um, this is what movements do. They they uh, they acknowledge that it's two steps forward and one step back, and they keep pushing. And so in, in a way, I love this quiz because it allows us to recognize the women from the 60s and from the 1890s and everything in between who have carried us this far to celebrate the gains you discussed. Well, and the, the women who lobbied for the right to vote is the reason why I have never missed a vote Absolutely. since I was 18 years old, municipal, provincial, yeah. federal, overseas. And, and it, because you think about what yeah. those women gave up and what they were looking for, and here we have this right to give it up just doesn't seem appropriate. I'm with you, sister. (laughs) (laughs) And so for more information and how we can celebrate and demonstrate today on International Women's Day? Well, you know, there's a lot of amazing things going on. I'd love to see people take the quiz because I I think it allows an opportunity to really reflect on the scope and the depth and the duration of the women's movement and how how far we've come. And because we're an organization that works around the world, we're also trying to look at it from the global perspective perspective and highlighting those protests and those fights that women have been bravely fighting, whether that's in India or in Kenya or elsewhere. And that website? Matchinternational.org. That's an easy one. Matchinternational.org. Jess Tomlin, a pleasure to speak with you You today on International Women's Day. Thank you. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. On this International Women's Day, Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie joins us. Madam Mayor, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Jane. What does Be Bold for Change mean to you? That is the theme of this year's International Women's Day. I think, well, I've used that sort of a motto in my own life. I've always tried to stand up for my principles and what I believe and taken strong positions and been bold. I've never shied away from controversy or, uh, you know, from a, from a challenge. So I've tried to be bold in my life, and I'm very proud of my council that we have also taken some very bold initiatives here as a team uh, since uh, we've come together two and a half years ago. So there's a lot to learn, a lot to be said for being bold, and those are some of the uh, learnings we took this morning to 
the young women who joined us for breakfast with our Lieutenant Governor. And I do want to hear all about that. You know, everybody I speak with who lives in Mississauga says you're doing a great job, which is not an easy thing to do when you're taking over for the legendary Hazel McCallion. (laughs) Those were pretty big shoes to fill, I agree. (laughs) So how have you managed such a successful transition? And this speaks to you as a bold woman as well. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I'm a consensus builder and we're a team. Certainly, you know, Hazel was iconic and she was a force of nature and she was a, you know, a role model and mentor to so many of us. But I'm much newer and I haven't, you know, been at politics as long as she has. She was our mayor for 36 years, Jane. And so I, I take a different approach. Uh, we have a team approach here and everyone's valued for for their input and their opinion and their position. And uh, I, I think it works. It's a dynamic that works very successfully for us. We have a great group. We work very collaboratively together, and we get a lot done. We're a very high-functioning council. That's not to say we always agree, but we're always very respectful of each other's opinions. Let's get back to that breakfast now. You had uh, 80 grade 12 girls for breakfast today. Um, What are their expectations as young women? They're turning 18 this year. What do they feel any barriers or obstacles? Well, that's an excellent question. So what we did is brainstormed with them how they could be bold um, in the next 150 years, because, of course, the, left hand, the lieutenant governor, rather, Elizabeth Dowdswell, is celebrating Canada's first 150 years, and we're looking to the next 150. So we challenged the girls on how would they be bold in Canada's next 150. So, But they are really the leaders of tomorrow. So just to summarize for you some of the themes that came up, if I may, um, they want to combat stereotypes. They want gender equality. Uh, imp- they want to improve access to education. They want to undertake new initiatives to end violence against women. They want to encourage young women to pursue careers in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And of course, they want to create a greater awareness and appreciation for Aboriginal and our Indigenous communities. So I heard them say things like they want to be confident, they uh, don't want to be afraid of change, that they should be positive. They did mention that they needed to step up and support each other a little more than they did. Um, They wanted to pursue their passions, pursue education, not to quit. They learned this morning from both uh, Her Honor, Elizabeth Dowdswell, and myself that there is not one career path. That um, Her Honor called her career path eclectic. I, I like to refer to mine as a sorry, serendipitous, uh, a very circuitous route to where I got to today. So they saw firsthand that there's not just one career path that's ever followed. Um, and that their opportunities are limitless because they can be whoever they want to be. To, uh, wherever they set their goals, they will achieve those goals if they put their mind to them. So uh, they want to take risks, be authentic. They believe very strongly they can have both careers and families, and that's at the same time, Jane. <laughs> yes. And um, have imagination, be resilient, take the high road. They talked a lot about volunteering in the community, giving back to the community, uh, having positive female role models, um, and challenging the status quo, challenging existing views. So those were some of the things we heard from these very sharp, very articulate uh, grade 12 students from 30 different schools across Mississauga. 
We're speaking with Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie. If you have any questions for the mayor, give us a call, 416-360-0740, 1-866-744-740. Mayor Crombie, Stephen from Toronto has been waiting a while to get on, so let, let's get to Stephen. You're on Fight Back. Go ahead, Stephen. Hi, Jane. Happy uh, Women's Day. Thank you. Uh, I'm a mayor, obviously, and I, I'm very puzzled by this because... Women represent at least half of the population. They, uh, as a rule, are our first teachers, our mothers. And if we go to uh, school, as a rule, in the lower grades, that the lower grades, women tend to be the teachers. How is it that women don't have these rights? I, I and I, I, I'm just baffled by it. Uh, and I don't understand it. Well, let's put that question to the mayor. You know, why does it feel like it's been a long journey and continues to be a journey? So certainly what Stephen says is quite right. Despite the fact that women are 50% of the population, we still represent only about 40 to 45% of the workforce. And we still earn, let's call it about 77 cents for every dollar that a man earns. So there is not pay parity and we're not equal in the workforce either. And we know that traditionally uh, women have tended to uh, center in certain silos and certain careers. And in the past, we've called those pink ghettos and some of them were service oriented. But we see that changing as more and more women go to university, complete secondary, uh, post-secondary education. We see women going strongly into banking, academia, becoming entrepreneurs. I think what attracts women about becoming entrepreneurs or even in fields of medicine is the flexibility those jobs give them because we know that women still face the majority of, of, of the work, the domestic work at home. They're still responsible primarily for their children and for our aging parents and the bulk of the responsibility of, of the household chores. I know that they're, we try to split those up as best we can and that works in some whole households and not as well in other households. So I think women tend to look for flexibility in their careers today that allow them to spend time with their young younger families or their aging parents as well. Well, and that's interesting, too, because, uh, Mayor Crombie, when you and I were younger, there was a big uh, phrase out there with, you can have it all. Well, you can have it all, but your expectations really do have to be tempered depending on what your priorities are at different times of your life. I would agree with you. I think you can have it all. Um, I, I, you know, at my age, you could have it all, just not all at the same time. Right. I, I stepped back and spent time with children and worked in the community and consulted to give me that kind of flexibility. I did not continue with a corporate uh, business uh, career Um while I had young children, I did take a step back. Uh, other people do and other people don't. And they don't, some of them don't do that very, very successfully, but they have a, a very strong support system around them. I think it's a matter of, especially if you get that higher education, which you and I did back in the day, uh, yeah. keeping your hand in your industry. Uh, right. Even when my children were younger for a time there, I worked part-time in radio. So I wasn't, I wasn't in a situation where I had to get back in after 10 or 15 years. You know, when you're already in it, even if it's a small amount, it's easier to jump back in full time when that time in your life comes around. 
I completely agree with you. I had a business career as well. I was a marketing executive. I did an MBA. I worked in the, I worked um, in government relations for the insurance industry. And when I had three young kids at home, I stepped back, but I continued to consult uh, very part time on my own time. I made it very flexible, but I also got very involved in the community. It started, of course, with the PTA and the condo board, and um, and then it grew to boards in the community, whether it was Ontario Brain Injury Association, Arts Umbrella Task Force on the Arts. I sat on the marketing, uh, the tourism marketing board. So I started contributing back in other ways. And then when the opportunity to run in public life or public life and uh, career in politics, that served me very well as well because I had been engaged at the grassroots level in the community. Right, and you had that varied skill set that you could bring to the table. Precisely. All right, let's get to Laura in Toronto. Go ahead, Laura. You're on Zoomer Radio. Right. I thought I just said it all and I was recording. Anyway, I was just saying that I'm a mother of two boys and two girls and uh, there are a lot of trends. We we talked about uh, equality and how much work women have done in order to be equal from the suffragette onwards, from... uh, get paying equality and getting the right to a vote. However, how many 20 years old or just about there are actually insulting all the work that has been done for them by due to bad upbringing, both by mother and father, behaving like little princesses with an incredible sense of entitlement. Oh, entitlement is a big thing we hear about the millennial generation. I have to say, Madam Mayor, that I don't see that um, with my two uh, 20-something children and my two 20-something stepchildren. I think millennials get a bad rap. There is a level of entitlement, but they, they, those who are smart and work hard will do well as well. They, they don't have to be lumped in as being the entitled generation. Uh, Jane, I completely agree with you. I've got fabulous kids. I have a 27-year-old. He's out looking for, uh, you know, a career change. I've got a 23-year-old in law school, and I have a 20-year-old daughter in, at Western University, and they're very focused. They work very hard. I'm very proud of them. They're very engaged in the community. My daughter is organizing a Women in Leadership conference, as a matter of fact. She's choreographing a fundraiser that's a fashion show. Um, and my boys, as well, have been all have been active and engaged on my campaigns. They've been involved in youth politics. Um, and in you know, um, model UNs, uh, and they give back to the community in many ways. So, you know, I, I, is it parenting? Is it the child? It's a bit of both, for sure. It depends mm-hmm. where their interests lie, and it depends where their parents lead them, I think, as well. And and you and I, we are examples and an inspiration to our children and their friends. And I think that as older or middle-aged women, uh, we have to take that seriously. And that that's all part of mentoring and, and uh, helping the next generation be bold for change. Absolutely. I try to be a good example to my kids, but I think my children are equally an, a, a great example to young people today. So, um, you know, they're focused and they give back. Uh, and they're generally nice people, so right. I'm very proud of them. Good for you, yes. That's that's a nice way to feel when you your kids get to be a little bit older. Bonnie Crombie, the mayor of Mississauga, thank you for your time on this International Women's Day. Thank you for having me. All the best to you, Jane. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.